Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go. Welcome back, one and all. To another episode of the Two Tongues Podcast. A podcast where Kyle is very sleepy. I am very sleepy. What's up, man? Not much. Just feeling uh, stuffed, engorged. Mm. I uh, just ate a bunch of food before we did this. I've never, I don't think I've eaten that closely to doing the podcast. This is the, the you know... The most recent that I've had a large meal and then yep. come down to record. Yep, we didn't. I didn't give you much time to to digest. That's all right. We just basically came right came down right the steps. Down. Yeah, yeah it's... I'm, I'm hearing a little buzzing in the in the in the mic. It's pissing me off. Hold on. Oh, I'm turning this down. I don't hear shit. Okay, perfect. All right, so check this out. I was doing. I do a podcast with my girls sometimes. My kids. They, they know that I do it, and they think it's fascinating, and they like to hear their voice in the headphones. So sometimes they'll come down here and they'll ask me if I'll do a podcast with them. Yep. So I never publish anything, but we we have a podcast called the Three Neck Lizard Podcast, also yes. also the Karate Podcast. Uh, here we have it. Here, let me show you. We have a let's see podcast under Freya. Let's see, we have Punk Rock Disney, Three Neck Lizard. Uh, the unicorn, the three unicorns podcast, two unicorn poop, something or other. So anyway, we 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 just have some podcasts that we do. Nice. And while I was doing this with her, I realized that I have uh, some pre-saved. Uh, where is it? Some pre-saved. Oh, here we are. Soundtracks on here. Okay. So we have our intro and our outro that we play on here. But I also figured out I got some cool ones, man. I've got this one. So we can tell jokes now. Now we can tell jokes. We can tell jokes. And I could be like, hey, how many people does it take to... Yes. That was a good one. Um, we also, we also, if nobody laughs at the joke, then we can just say like... It's very useful. It's going to be like you know? an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's also one called Scary. You want to hear it? Let's hear it. All right. It goes like this. That's pretty good. I feel like that's going to come in handy. For sure. A little bit less certain about this one. I think that one's going to come in handy, too. Anyway, we got some things on here. We got some stuff. There's also this one called Bumper, which uh, which is one that we paid for when we had the intro and outro done, yeah. but I completely forgot about it. Yeah. And it goes is like this. Is that the short one? Yeah, it's like if, if we were going to like have a commercial break, we'd be like... You're listening to the Two Tongues Podcast. And now your hosts, Kyle and Chris. Boom. Yeah, you forgot about that one. I've never forgot about that one. I like that one. Oh, you do like that one. Shit. Yeah. We should just open with that one. It's nice, like short and right to it the is, point. Because, you know, even like this time when we when we hit the intro, I'm just like, come on. As yeah. I've heard it a bazillion times, you know? Yeah, yeah. And all the questions, like, 
I feel like we, we've got the answers to those questions. We moved on to different questions. <laughs> yeah, we moved on to different questions, yeah. yes. I mean, maybe yeah. related questions, but different yeah. questions. Yeah, the secrets of the universe are no longer secrets We've to discovered Kyle and Chris. We've t- through this podcast. Through this. We've ran those motherfuckers down. Correct. Yeah, dude. Uh, what's up, man? What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Um, I want to talk about that risotto that we just ate. Fuck. good, man. So when I first met my wife, she was try- back when she was trying to impress me, she made risotto, seafood risotto one night. And I'm like 25 years old. I don't know what the fuck risotto is. Like I never had a risotto. I've never had one risotto. And also, like, she didn't need to impress me because she's smoking hot. And I was 25. Yeah. So the food was the last thing. What else was she doing to impress you? Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> could talk about it, but it's inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was awesome. And uh, so she made the risotto. And, like, I was, like, didn't want to, like, be a pig. So, like, barely ate it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she was all pissed. She spent a bunch of time making this risotto. You didn't finish it? No, nah, I didn't finish it. You son of a bitch. But I finished quickly another way, so I made up for it. Yep. Oh, shit, where's the little... Oh, damn. I, I should have hit the uh, laugh track button here. Here we go. Guys, wait for it. All right, there he is. A delayed reaction. There it is. Okay. Yeah, well, there it is. And uh, I'm not even sure whether the sound effects is going to go is on gonna, the recording. Is going to go on the YouTube recording. So yeah, you guys are probably just out of uh, you know. Just you, imagine. Just imagine it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, risotto. Yes. Yeah, so she's gotten really good at that. Risotto. Sorry, go ahead. She's gotten really good at that. She she makes it regularly now. She's gets she gets these amazing mushrooms from Costco. They're amazing. Yeah. She throws them in there. She we didn't have them in there today. She had different mushrooms, but. You should come over one of the days she puts the dope mushrooms in the, the risotto. The dope mushrooms? The dope mushrooms. Oh, yeah, dude. They're really good, man. They uh like magic mushrooms. Is that why they're dope? That would be awesome. It's, it's like a blend. It's like a, it's like a whole... Ooh. <laughs> You're like you got psychedelic anything. I'm psychedelic <laughs> risotto. Yes. Uh, what else? You got anything uh, top of mind? Top of my mind? I feel like I, I dominate the, the talking points too much, so I want to like try to be more patient. Um, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have like a ton of like pre-prepared material. I have been, have you been paying attention at all to the, uh, Steven Crowder thing that's going on? No. No. Tell me all about it. Um, he's getting a divorce. So that's, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty sad. You yeah. Know? It's not good. You don't want people to get divorced. Is there like a hubbub about it or just that he's getting a divorce? So his wife released footage from like one of their ring you know security cameras oh. which is just like don't put those things in your house you know <laughs> that's fucking so, so stupid yeah but anyway she released some footage of them having an argument and a lot of people are i mean i i'm on the record on this podcast i don't really like steven crowder you've said it um but i do think that a lot of people a lot of people who i like well not a lot of people that i like but maybe a couple people that i like have given their opinions on this and I just feel like they are just like mind your own business like this is not you know I don't know it just seems like uh, why are you getting involved in this guy getting a divorce like I'm guessing she wouldn't have released the video unless it it put him in a bad light yeah Um, but I do think so I'll say this I would not I can't imagine the circumstances in which I would talk to my eight month pregnant with twins wife that way Mm. Um, but that being said, I'm also not in the fight, you know, like, uh, and I don't think that anything that he said was, 
like, I mean, it, like I said, I wouldn't talk to my, I don't think I would talk to my eight month pregnant wife that way, but still, even though I don't think that, I don't think that anything he said was like, he should be put in fucking prison or anything like that. Um, and a lot of people, like I said, some people that I like are just giving their opinions on it. And I just feel like you don't have enough information to give some kind of informed opinion on another man's marriage. Right you now. I'd like, so. I'd like to be able to jump in on this, but I don't, I don't, uh, I didn't hear it so i don't know yeah yeah it's hard to he is he is kind of juiced up by the way he's pretty he's a big dude he's pretty ripped yeah uh, you know so if he's like being aggressive yeah, or gay whatever dudes are really into fitness you they know? are into fitness correct yeah. so that makes sense that steven crowder is kind of jacked uh but i don't like steven crowder and i do think that there's a good ch- a lot of people are saying that they think that this is evidence that steven crowder is abusive mm. and um I don't honestly. I don't have a hard time believing that Steven Crowder is, but I don't think that that video is sufficient evidence. So you got a bunch of people trying to make something out of yeah. Uh, not, now, maybe not nothing, but now I do think that there's like um, maybe you start to get a bunch of stories about Crowder, and it's like okay, maybe this guy is an asshole. Yeah, and um, I do think he's an asshole, uh, but I just don't. Like I said, I just don't. I think it's right to, to weigh in on well, when we when we talked about this before one of the things we said was that my only exposure to Steven Crowder has been change, the, my, mind. change my mind and uh, he to be fair he has a lot of confrontational conversations and he's very very seldomly aggressive or a dick in those conversations I mean he's on camera but usually carries himself pretty well even when he's oh and you're saying that that you're like offering that as evidence that he's not a dick yeah, got it. But that's that's my limited exposure to him. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think know. That's that's not very good evidence. You know, like you hear lots of stories of people who, um, like Ellen. You know, if you watch the Ellen show, Ellen seems like the nicest lesbo lesbo in the world. <laughs> she you know? does seem pretty. She's nice. Like a very friendly, outgoing, loves to dance. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, loves to scare people and prank people. Yeah, but apparently she was like, you know. Idi Amin on the on the set. It's not a very nice lady. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes you wonder if she was always that way or if she became that way. Which is funny because Ellen's gay. I I think Crowder's gay. I'm pretty sure that dude's gay. I think the gays are just angry and aggressive. Yeah, when they become the leaders of talk shows, yes. You can't become the gay leader of a talk show without being a tyrant. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. Um well, I might have a few things um, on the list today. What um, one of those things happened to be? What's going on with Tucker? No, but we can talk about that. Um, okay. I just saw, I saw an article recently, and I didn't read it. I wanted to. It said something about Tucker and Elon Musk talking about going into business together. I don't know what that means, but that's kind of interesting. Wonder what that kind of a business that would be. I don't know. Does that mean that, that Elon's going to like bankroll? Some kind of a news media business? Does Tucker need to be bankrolled? He's got plenty of money, I think. I think it depends on what he wants to do, you know? That's true. If he just wants to, if he wants to like have a podcast and be like, you know, as big as Joe Rogan, I think he could do that. And Probably. I don't think he needs to be bankrolled. Yeah. But if he wants to run for public office, yeah. then maybe he needs to be bankrolled. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't. Uh, that's a good question. How much money has Tucker got? Good question. I'm sure it's a lot of money. Jamie, how much money does Tucker have? <laughs> I just heard someone saying the other day that 
he's making something like $1.2 million a month. Oh, Jesus. And he is not working. You know, like Fox is paying him to not work right oh, now. Oh, even better. Yeah. That's 1. weird, though. $1.2 million a month. That's weird. That's how much they're worried about the stuff that he's saying, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we'll just shell out all this dough to keep you quiet and not let you on, you know? Yep. I did see a clip of, of Tucker. That's uh, this is I, I don't know what clip you're talking about, but this is kind of what I wanted to oh, talk about. Oh, go ahead, about. go ahead. No, 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 go. You go. Well, ahead. it was I'm trying to remember the, the the specifics, but it was a it was a clip of him when he wasn't on the air, yeah, yeah. but he was being recorded. Yeah. And he, a few of those have come out and he cracked me up. I don't yeah. remember what he was saying. It's so funny they're releasing them. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. All right. They're releasing these clips. It has to be Fox releasing these. Where the fuck else would they be coming Oh, for from? sure. Yeah. Um, and they're releasing them like uh, like it's going to make Tucker look bad or something. You know, like he's going to come out of it looking like a dick. But every single one of them made me like Tucker more. Yeah. You know? Remind me what he said. I know he was like cursing and... Uh... Yeah, one of them he just said... he, he Remember when um, we had Kevin on? Yeah. And uh, we called it, we'll do it live. Yeah, yeah, One of yeah. them, he, like, made reference to that. Did he? Which, yeah. I don't understand why that's a problem at all. It's a funny joke. Yep. Um, the other one, he was, yeah, he was just, like, joking around with the people on set. And he, like, said, fuck, you know. It's, yeah. like, uh, I, it's nothing bad at all. It's just, like, it made me, it, it you know, Tucker has a style when he's on TV um, and it showed like a different side of him, a, t- a side where he's just kind of being a normal person with a his coworkers, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so it made me like him more. See, that's how I felt. Yeah. yeah. And another one was a text message that came out. Oh, I didn't see that. And it was something he had watched some video of, um, I guess it was like, a lefty person at a protest getting jumped by some like right wing people. Okay. And he said oh. something about um that his like initial reaction was like that's not good. That's not how white men fight. I did see that. And, yeah. Which um I think is pretty funny. Um and then he went on to say that he found after he like watched it for a minute. He found himself like wanting the people to hurt the, the left wing person, and then he like you know did this like really awesome thing where he's like, no, that makes me no better than them, you know. Yep. Um, but just uh, that line, that's not how white men fight. I I, <laughs> I like that. Well, just to you know, just to put it out there, in our lifetimes, like listen, I'm not I'm not suggesting that like. This this wasn't true. Like black people didn't get lynched by white people, you know. In, in you know, our recent history, but in our lifetimes, in our probably all if not most of our parents' lifetimes, if somebody got jumped, it was by black dudes. Yeah, you know, all of the stories that I can tell you that are that are, that are as close to me as I can remember, like when um, we were kids, my brother he's older than us, obviously. And he went to a different school. He was going to uh, middle school, and we were in elementary school. And he would get off the bus at a different stop. It was in front of the elementary school. And he would he would walk me and my sister home when we, when we were, like, in the first grade or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got jumped, and he had his starter jacket stolen from him. And I remember coming to, uh, up to the corner, and he's like, you know, I, I don't remember the details. I think he was crying, but it's winter, and he's got no coat on. He got jumped by, by a bunch of black dudes and had his coat taken. Uh, yeah. Happened to me when I was in elementary school. At that same in elementary school, uh, I was walking 
on the playground, minding my business. And somebody jumped on me from behind, slammed me down to the ground. And when I got up, I was attacked by two black kids. So those examples that are as close to home as possible, in every instance, was black dudes. It was not, it was not never white dudes. It's not how white men fight. So that statement rings true to me. Yeah. And that, that, in no way is that racist. That's experiential. Well, you your know? experience is racist, dude. Apparently so. Yeah. But that's what they're going to say about Tucker for saying that. Yeah. And all I'm saying is, you know, one man's life experience reflects that being a true statement. Yep. I've never seen white dudes jump somebody. Never. Never. Yeah, I mean, I know it's happened. Um, and I maybe even I have, maybe I even have seen it online. But a lot more frequently, it's not white people doing that, you know? Yeah. It's uh well, you remember I was telling you about that lady, Heather, what was her name? Heather, she's an author, she was on jo, uh, Gadsad's podcast, Heather McDonald. Heather she McDonald. wrote a book called When Race Trumps Merit. Mm. She was on Gadsad's podcast, Jordan Peterson's podcast, she was making her rounds. Making the rounds. And she said, and I'm going to butcher this, and I'm sorry, but she said something like, that the narrative is that white people, whiteness, whatever that means, and the, and the systemic racism all surrounding whiteness and white people, which, which is, a, a, you know, a crazy sim- oversimplification and a ridiculous thing to say, but it, everyone says it now and it's perfectly fine. That that scene is as something that is, uh, that injures black people. That whiteness and white people are injuring black people. We're holding them down, we're keeping them down. What's the we're, solution to that? What, the point that she made was, that is the most ridiculous thing when you look at the statistics, you see it's not white people that hurt black people. 90-something percent of violent crime against black people oh, yeah. is done by black people. If you're going to point the finger... Yeah, but white people are the reason that the black people oh, do that crime. Of course. Of Come course. on. What are, you, are you trying to be racist on the podcast right now, dude? I want to talk about race on the podcast. Yeah, they... Uh, no, yeah, I don't want to talk about race. The, I want to talk about racism. They do the crime because we're racist. You know, mm. like They have to commit crime. They have to, Chris. In order to prove that white people are racist? Yeah. <laughs> Just gotta... I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't understand the logic, but that's, like, the kind of thing that they would say. Like, they're doing these crimes because they're, you know, not socioeconomically... They don't have equity, you know? Yep. And that's white people's fault. Yeah. Did you hear... California... That's on the list. That's uh, their reparations payment. That's on the list. All right. Well, we'll get there then. Well, let's talk about it, man. I saw it. It was. I don't. I don't know the details, but I heard that a committee on reparations. I don't know how how like legit that is. What part of the government that is? I don't know what that means. But a committee about reparations in the state of California has voted unanimously to approve somewhere in the range of three hundred and sixty thousand to one point two million dollars of reparations of taxpayer money. To be given to, to qualifying black people in the state, anybody who anybody who can prove that they were descended from a slave, or were freed before 1900. California never had slavery. California wasn't a part of the Union before the. I mean, I just uh, I don't understand it at all, man. And they they think that's going to cost the, the state of California 800 billion dollars. I heard it was up in the trillions. It might, maybe, maybe if they're giving them one point two, maybe it is. Yeah. And he, he, and I actually tweeted about this because I saw 
a picture of two of the board members, the, the whatever, that were voting, committee members that were voting on this. One of them was wearing a, uh, what do they call those African garb? Dashiki. Dashiki. One of them was wearing that. Both of them were black. One was a man, one was a woman. And I, I thought to myself, look, I don't know how many people are on this committee, but the ones that are pictured here probably qualify. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, is there a conflict of interest here when the committee that's that's voting to give everyone a million dollars is all going to get a million dollars? I was like, is, isn't that kind of like when Congress votes to give themselves a raise? Yeah. It's bullshit. It's absolute and utter bullshit. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work out that well. I don't see how that's going to happen, you know? I think Gavin Newsom would let it happen if, if you know, I don't think he's going to have any objections to that. He's going to empty the coffers. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to go over that well. I don't think it's going to be as much of a help as people think it's going to be. No. It'd be like, it what's like every story, well, not every story, but the ones you hear about when people win the lottery and their lives are destroyed. They win the lottery and they're dead like a couple years later, you know, or they're broke a couple years later. Maybe that's the plan. <laughs> Maybe they're like trying to get rid of these people. Unbelievable, Maybe, man. Dude, the, you know, there's the whole, the left is the real racist. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe they're hatching this lottery, you know, lottery disaster plan. And they're just going to, I don't know. There's no doubt in my mind that the left's the left is the real racist. Yeah. I'm not saying it's always been that way, but it is that way now. And there is n absolutely no question about it. The anti-white rhetoric that we're, that we're hearing, and that's, that's, we're, we're hearing it from academia, but the media and the government are applauding it. And, and, and putting it, writing it in law, you know? They're trying to codify it. It's absolutely racism. And I, I don't know what to say about that. It's, it's complete and utter insanity. For, for a, a political position that's always railed against racism and for equality, to now, to now be the racist themselves... I just, I don't, I have absolutely, I, I don't even know what to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, they're racist against white people. They're also racist against black people. It's like, uh, you see, I'm sure you've seen the stuff that happened on the train. You know, the new, uh, what's his name? George Floyd. The new George Floyd oh, situation. Yeah, that's on here too. Uh, Neely? Jordan Neely? Yeah. Yeah. Neely. Because, uh, you know, what's well, his name? Derek Chauvin, to, it was kneeling. Yeah, on he George sure was. Floyd. It's just like they they all link up somehow, you know. Yeah, there's like yeah. this thread that goes through all of it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's like that. If that was a white guy who was dancing like Michael Jackson and being an insane person on the train, and somebody, um, what's the word I'm looking for? like, detained or, you yeah. know, incapacitated that person, it would be fine. It wouldn't be a story, you no. know? Well, if it, yeah, but if he died, maybe, but... If it was it, a white person, it would not be a story. It wouldn't be this level of story. It wouldn't be a story. For sure. If it was a white guy that got killed, it wouldn't... Nobody would talk about it at all. The thing all. is, man, it's worse than that. It's worse than he, he's, like, acting a fool and dancing like Michael Jackson. He assaulted many yeah. people. And I, I, saw, I saw videos. I saw videos of that. Um, not only did I see a video of a guy walking by him on the street while he was dancing like Michael Jackson, and he said he called him Michael, and the guy 
you know, circled around him and, and punched him multiple times. And the guy just walked away. But if he's doing that to some ra- random guy on the street, then you hear the uh, one of the one of the uh, people that was on the on the uh, bus that saw it um, said that the guy who restrained him and, and ultimately killed him shouldn't be punished for it. And explained it explained in that interview that that he's had many encounters with that guy and he's always being violent with people. You yeah. know, he he acts like there are no consequences. You know, I'm not. I'm, I don't wish him dead, but you know, there are fucking consequences. You I can't don't, do any anything you want to do. I don't wish him dead. I don't wish death on anyone. But I will say this: I don't feel bad for that guy. I don't care about what happened at all. To be perfectly frank with you, I don't fucking care that some crazy person got what was coming to him. And I feel that is. I'm not going to say that he deserved to die, but you get what's coming to you. You keep doing shit like that, eventually something's going to go wrong. Right. So the only thing keeping me from agreeing with you is the fact that he died. If he had, yeah. his, if he had his ass handed to him, if he got choked unconscious and was left there like an idiot, I would, be, I would be right with you saying loudly that he got what's coming to him. The fact that he died makes me, makes me leery about saying that. But, but no, yes. I'm still 100% on board. He got what was coming to him. Um, you can't, you can't go around behaving like that guy who was a Marine didn't try to kill him. You know, it just happened and it happened because of his behavior. It's not because of the Marine. That's right. Yeah. It happened because of that guy. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't feel bad at all. I don't like not, not only do I not feel bad, like I said, I don't care. I don't want to expend mental energy thinking about some fucking criminal who got killed. I don't care. Yep. You know. And then you've got people, and I'm willing to guess for ideological reasons, most people on the left that want to see that dude hung. They want to see that dude die. They want to see him pay in a serious and public way for it. Yeah, he's already guilty. I mean, you know, in the news and everything, he's already guilty. Yep, and his name's out there. Right, yep. yep. It's fucked. It's fucked. I'm with you, man. Um, I guess the governor of New York basically has, you know, basically said that he's guilty. I mean, you know, it's just, it's a fucked up situation for that guy, you know? Like, in the moment, him doing what he thinks is the right thing to do, and now he's, like, potentially going to prison for it, you know? Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, if... Jordan Neely were a white dude, it would be. I would feel exactly the same way. Yeah, like that dude is is assaulting people. He's crazy. Nobody's dealing with it. The authorities aren't dealing with it. He's being uh, he's being allowed to fuck with other people's um, you know lives. Yeah, with without reg- I mean without regard, he has no consequences. And somebody finally gives him his comeuppance. Like that's what that's what the fucking police should have been doing all along. That's what the the mental health health uh, you know system should have been doing all along. Instead, he's just allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. You know that what, what there's no rule of law there. You know, mm-hmm. and instead of and instead of funding to keep these mentally ill people off the streets, they're going to give one point two million dollars to every every black citizen in the state of California. What in the fuck priorities, guys? Priorities. We have none. No. Well, we have them. They're just wrong, I guess. I've been thinking about this. I don't know exactly know how to get into this topic, but uh, I've been thinking about all this racism, and we've been seeing a lot of anti-white racism that's getting violent. And 
and it seems like it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. It's encouraged everywhere you it's look. Definitely not discouraged. It's definitely not discouraged. It's encouraged by liberals, white and black alike. It's encouraged by governments. It's encouraged by the media. It's applauded, and like I, I wrote down some examples. We talked about some things recently that we've seen uh, in terms of like cell phone videos of white kids. You know that white kid that got knocked out in the garage by those black kids, and you know things that happened on the school bus. I saw another one. Fat little white kid on the school bus. It looked like he was about yeah, some 11, 12 years old. Getting the shit kicked out of him by some black girl. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. So that one. And then there was a story about a guy named Carlton Glifford in Oklahoma. Carlton Glifford. Carlton Glifford. He's a homeless man, black dude. Um, he shot and killed two white people um, on the street. Just shot and killed them. And when he was asked why he did it, he said, because they're white. He killed them. Because they're white. Right? Now, the people that justify that as okay are the people that think about things that happened, you know, in the Jim Crow era or earlier when white people were doing terrible things to black people in the name of whatever. Mm. Slavery and whatever. I don't even know. I'm not going to defend it. Um, They're doing the exact same things that, that... that allows them to justify what they're doing, and they're doing the exact same things. Um, and then the Jordan Neely one was on that list. Here's another one. I've been listening to a lot of Gad Sad recently. Um, I never do, and I don't know why. I love that dude. He's fucking yeah. hilarious. Um, he was talking about this movement to indigenize mathematics. So, you know, math is... Math is, uh, what do they call it, like white supremacy, right? So math, math and science as disciplines are racist. That's, what, that's, what, that's the new thing in academia. And there's this push to indigenize math, which, which means something like this. There are minority groups, Native American groups, tribal groups in the world that have different ways of counting, different systems of arithmetic, yeah. and because we don't learn them and we don't give them any credence, um, that makes math racist. That, that, mm, right. Because we're not counting coconuts. Because yeah, we're not counting coconuts, something like that. And uh, I got to thinking about this. I watched this amazing documentary. Um, I have probably talked about this before, but um, there was one called The History of Maths and there was one with this really hot redheaded lady, English lady, a professor whose name I'm going to fail to remember. Um, and it was all about infinity and geometry and fractals and all kinds of crazy shit that I love, just love. I don't understand it, but I love it. And uh, they said a bunch of interesting things. You know, like like white people, I don't know exactly know how you draw that line, and we can talk about that all day long, but the Greeks, as an example, didn't use one, two, threes. They used... Roman numerals. We know that, right? The, the, the Greco-Roman numerical system was using Roman numerals. And Roman numerals have some limitations. One of them is that there is no zero. And that makes math very difficult, right? That makes geometry very difficult. And it makes calculations very difficult. So we switched from Roman numerals to Phoenician... Is it Phoenician? I think so. Or Arabic. Arabic numerals. And uh, they are the ones we use today. One, two, three. And then we got zero as a concept from ancient India. So I'm, I know this because I watched those documentaries a million times. So they're, they're trying to tell me math is racist. And I know good goddamn well that math is a multicultural, multi-generational system 
that has evolved from with contributions from all kinds of brown people. We couldn't do calculations. We couldn't do binary, you know, uh, digital uh, anything without the zero, right? We got that from India. What color are those people, dude? Brownish. People of color. People of color. Right? Yeah. So, so how in the fuck is math racist? It's not even white. Well, Chris, it's racist because, because white people excel at it compared to mm. the browns and the blacks in the United States. Huh. I see. That's why it's racist. Because when you line up the standardized, standardized testing scores, the white people are way up here in math and science. And then... You know the blacks and the browns, like more down. What about here. the Asians though? Because in the in they're up here. In the, in the Ashkenazis, they're way they're up white. there, man. They're white. And when you're when we're talking about math and science, Asians are white. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Come on, dude. Asians it's are white. 2023. You should know this. Mm-hmm. Asians and Indians, they're white. When we're talking about math and science, and. Um, but when we're talking about like Asian hate crimes, like we were like two years ago, then they're Asian. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's like chameleon type. Chameleon. Stuff, you know? Yes. Okay. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, it's fucked up. So this this whole ignoring the history of math and it being uh, multicultural, like very clearly, you can't argue with that. A multicultural endeavor, and the idea is we take what's good from different systems and what works, and then we build on that we build on that so what we have now is the best possible form of math that benefits from the evolution from the idea sex that's been going on for generations if if native american indigenous forms of arithmetic were superior we would adopt them we would take what works best from them and we would adopt them nobody would argue in their right mind would argue that we should take some step backwards and, and be able to do less with our calculations in order to in order to accommodate some other form that's not as good. It's like you want to you want to like drive a, a, a shittier car. Do you want to go back to night to two thousand two cell phones? We're all gonna be living live in grass huts to 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 enforce equity. Ain't nobody gonna live in grass huts. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to live in a grass hut, but like, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. It's it's like we're gonna fucking f- instead of instead of building up people to to like, I can even hear how they they would think that that sounds racist. You know, I'm gonna say build the black people and the brown people up to our level. You know, they're gonna like what the fuck does that mean? It means what the fuck I said it means. You know, like. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand why this mentality is, instead of building them up, we're just going to flatten everything. Right. We're going to destroy everything. Well, to, say, to say build them up to our level gives this impression that all of the white people are up here. But the truth is, yeah, there's, a, there's whole, a lot of dumb fucking lot white of dumb people. white people, yeah, myself included. I am a dumb white person. So, you know, don't, don't think I'm up on some high horse, you know. But, yeah... So, so this is basically the angle that I, I was trying to I was trying to tiptoe towards, and we talked a little bit about like th- this idea of 
like closed communities or more like um, ethnically uniform communities and what happens when you try to blend different cultures and different languages together, the challenges and the, and the uh, you know, the violence and the disagreements and all that stuff. Um, and it's like, it seems like a racist thing because cultures form in homogeneous ways. It's like if you live in a certain part of the world and you develop a certain culture, you're probably going to look like everybody around you, and you're probably going to be making babies with people that look just like you, and you're, you're all going to behave the same way, right? Yeah. Then you're going to look different from other people in the world, and you know what? That's not a bad thing, and yet it's a cultural. The problems between, between um, you know, what's the word, multiculturalism, the problems that arise aren't because of the color of your skin. They're because of the culture that you're, that you're attached to. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that culture runs along racial lines or genetic lines. Yep. That's a coincidence. It's yep. not where the problem comes from. Yeah, I think that, um, like, the, so the idea of America, you know, at, at least at a certain point was that you would come here and you would adopt the American culture. Right. Regardless of where you were from, you would adopt the American culture and you would be an American. Right. Um, I don't think that immigration really works that way. Um, maybe for some people it does. And I think that I think that there is a realistic immigration system where we can, like, weed those people in, I guess. You know, uh, we can accept those people and kick everyone else. That No, you can't fucking come here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's what it should be, um, but yeah, I don't I don't even remember where really where I was going with no, that. No, I I know what you mean. Uh, what's the word uh, that they used in in the old days um, uh, to become to become to become Americanized? Naturalized. No, 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 it's a different word. Um, to basically to adopt an American culture, um, like my wife's grandpa wouldn't wouldn't teach his own children his native language. They didn't learn Swedish or Finnish. Because they wanted, he wanted the kids to be American. Yeah, see, there's part of me, there's definitely a part of that come to America, be, um, you know, draw, get rid of your old stuff and be American that I like. Yep. But there's also part of it that I don't like because, like, the idea that he didn't teach his kids Finnish. No, teach your kids Finnish, man. That's who you are at your, like, core, the, the deepest historical level you know. That's who you are. Sure. Um, so I definitely, there's definitely something to that American thing. Like, I, I, I think that, I do think that if I was in charge of things, what I would do is lock down America's borders. Um, no, no illegal immigration, at least as little as we can possibly, you know, I'm sure some people are still going to slip through the cracks, but sure. make it way fucking harder barely any legal immigration close the doors nobody's coming in uh anybody who is already here who is illegal i'm not saying we like hunt everyone down and get rid of them but if you get caught breaking a law you're gone i don't care if it's stealing a pack of bubble gum from a convenience store if you get caught as an illegal committing a crime you're gone yeah um and then to get in i would just make it way harder you know like you have to have like if there was a country like let's say Mexico adopts my my policies, I probably wouldn't be able to move to Mexico because I don't have anything to offer. Really, you know, I don't sure. have a degree. Um, you know, I'm learning to weld. Maybe someday I can go there to, but not you know, you know what I'm saying, though. right? 
if you don't, if you're not a doctor or an inventor or you know something where you have something to offer, no, you're not coming in. You're not going to come here to reap tax benefits. You know. Sure. Um, I also think that you shouldn't be able to collect any kind of assistance for like two generations, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what was on my my radar. It's like if. It doesn't seem to me like it would be that difficult, even if we had open borders, which I don't recommend, but even if we had open borders and, and illegals would come into the country, if they couldn't speak the language and they couldn't get a driver's license and they couldn't get a job, what are they going to do? They're, they're going to they're gonna have to go back, yep. you know? Like, I don't, I don't understand what what's so difficult. Like, we clearly made it easier for them to come here and stay here illegally. We bent the rules... We changed the laws. We made it such that they can have some level of citizenship, some level of protection under the law, some level of access to education and healthcare. And they don't—they're not a citizen. They don't—they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong to them. You know, it's a public service that belongs to the citizens of the of the country that we that that's funded by taxpayer dollars. Yeah. It's like it's not for everyone. We we made it available for everyone somehow. At least enough to allow for pe- people to come here and stay here, even when they when they're le- here illegally. Yep. I just imagine if we lived in a country that 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 clamped down on all that, they're not coming. You, you would starve to death. You come here, you would starve to death. Yep. You'd have no place to live. You couldn't get around. You couldn't eat. You couldn't work. You would you would you would not come here. It would not make sense for you to come here. It wouldn't make sense. The incentives yep. would not would not be there. Uh, and that's that's exactly what I think our policy should be. Um, yeah, I mean, and then I think when you set up those kind of parameters, the people who want to come are the people who want to adopt the culture. They're not the people who are coming for the handouts and shit. Right. They're the people who really want to be there and really want to contribute and be a part of the community. And be less. And di- that's and, what you want. Right, and they wouldn't be disruptive and they wouldn't be tearing things down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would obey the law, you know, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Why would you want to have people here that didn't want to obey the law and participate. Why? It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. When you're thinking like a rational person, no, it doesn't make any sense. So I was thinking about this, like we, we heard a lot about Sharia law back during the, the second Bush administration. Um and and I like Sharia law. And the in the Sharia Sharia courts that they set up in, in London and yeah. all that stuff. And it's like that's a good example of a cultural difference that is incongruent with American culture. Yeah. Um, I like I said, I, I've got I've got a soft spot for Sharia law, but you know. Well, I don't know anything about Sharia law apart from the fact that I don't want to live under it. But like I said before, I think the community should be allowed to dictate their own. You know. Yes, but like when when women have clitorectomies done to them when they're children. I'm not sure how much a part of Sharia law that is. What's well, you, know? you yeah again, I don't know either. Maybe yeah. it's not, but it occurs Yeah, yeah. No, in I, that's bad. The, in the Islamic culture in, in certain parts of the Islamic culture, that's not congruent with American culture. Yeah. So, if you bring that element into our culture and you think that we're going to be able to reconcile that, like you're setting you're setting yourself up for a for a violent 
a conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, people who believe something that's they they believe they take it to be sacred. It's it's one of the most their deepest and most important values, and it's completely contradictory to the American moral system. I mean, what are you doing? And, you know, I have like, mixed feelings about this because I know this country is a melting pot and it benefits from that. And I like that. But I also like the I idea we've that... we hit a point of diminishing returns, to be perfectly There's something to you. that. Go ahead, though. I'm no, sorry. I also like the idea that if, if you want to experience um, Islamic culture, um, go to Turkey. Yeah. Go visit Riyadh. Go visit Baghdad. Go travel and see the world and have that experience. Do you want to ha- do you want to live in Detroit and live in Baghdad? You know, I want to live in Detroit. I don't want to live in Baghdad. I want to live in the United States, right? So when it becomes when it becomes like you're living in another country, I think something's gone wrong. Yeah, it's not assimilation anymore. That's the word I was looking for. It's not assimilation anymore. It's domination. Yeah, it's it's you, you know, it's a cultural revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw. I can't remember. I, I retweeted it, but I just can't remember who said it, like where the original content came from. But said something to the effect of like, um, you know, in 100 years, Baghdad is going to be Arab. You know, Saudi Arabia is going to be Arab. Mm. China is going to be Chinese. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. London is not going to be. London's not English. You know, uh, London at this point is. It's like a third world country. You know, it's yeah. it's a fucking mess. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, from what I understand, Minneapolis is getting like that too. Yeah, that, I've heard that, and that's really baffling to me because it doesn't. I've been to Minneapolis Lots before. Of fucking snow. It doesn't seem like a place. It doesn't seem like a place I would want to live. You know, just because of the weather. Because of, I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful in the summer and all that, but it just it, I wouldn't be my choice. Long, brutal winters. Yeah. yeah. If I had the choice of any place in the United States to live. It ain't Minneapolis. It's not, it's not. I don't think so. Yeah. You know? Prince. They got Prince going. Well, they used to have Prince going for them. So I think that uh, this anti-white racism is um, it's very, very dangerous. It's every bit as dangerous as uh, anti-black racism was, you know, in the early days of our country. And uh, only it's worse, in my opinion, now. I mean, I don't know if the media supported it like it does anti-white racism now. Maybe it did. But it just seems like that message is pushed to the point where people are doing violence against white people as though as though they're fucking heroes, you know, and that's incentivized. And at some point, white people are not going to take that anymore. At some point, we're going to become the villains that they that they try to paint us out to be. We're going to we're going to have to stand together to fight back against this. And it's not going to be good for anybody. And in the back of my mind, I wonder if the left wants that if this is the entire intention they want to create a hostile racial situation to keep people divided like we talk about many times but they want to do it until it becomes violent until it becomes mobs and death and destruction mm-hmm. and cultural revolution like that's the end game and then what they're going to do when that happens is stand back and say didn't I tell you white people were white supremacists? Didn't I tell you they were terrible monsters? Didn't I tell you this was going to happen? You know? Yeah. I, uh... I can't help but think of, like, uh... You know, I've talked a lot on this podcast about how 
the narrative surrounding World War Two, I am not sold on the standard narrative around narrative around World War Two, and I think that a lot of it is propaganda to demonize the right, like post post hoc. You know, we. I mean, again, I'm not saying that the 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 people who are on the right side. You know, the the fascists, the Nazis. I'm not saying they didn't do anything wrong, but I'm saying that they... I don't think that they did anything particularly worse than a lot of wars throughout history, you know? that just gets a lot of focus for some reason. And I think that that narrative that you're talking about with, uh, you know, the white racism, it plays right into that because it's like they're just trying to do Hitler again, you know? They look at these white people. They're just trying to... You know, uh, they're trying to put all the other people in their place. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I just think that they, it, it like, walks hand in hand, the, it, it, those two. It's so strange when we talk, when I try to jump back and forth between historically putting my vantage point in the 1930s, 40s, and then coming up to the present. Because it's, it's like, so incongruent. The right, back then, were the fascists and the Nazis, like you just said. But what makes somebody a fascist is exactly what the left is doing in the, in the modern day. What makes someone a fascist is controlling the media, controlling the narrative, controlling the government, and, and that's what we're seeing from the left. So it's so difficult for me to even make sense of that when the, that's the, fa- the fascists and all the liberals today think fascist right, fascist right. Bitch, you're the fascist now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that because I think that if like you think about that white pill book, were they fascists? I mean, they were fighting the fascists mm-hmm. and they were doing all that exact same stuff. So I don't know that it's like, I don't know that that is. I think that's just kind of something that all like totalitarian, you know, things are going to do. Uh, you know, governmental systems are going to do. So then maybe I should say you're the totalitarians, yeah. and they are. Yeah. They are the totalitarians. Fucking I. And that brings me to to Gad Sad again. He said he said some shit that was very depressing. I was mowing the lawn listening to Gad Sad. I got very sad listening to Gad, Gad. Sad. Yeah, Sad. I don't know how you say him, but anyway, uh, he said he said he was talking to somebody and he said that there's these uh, questionnaires that they've been giving to like students. I think mainly students, and they've been asking the same questions in these questionnaires f- since like the '60s. And so you can see how the kids answers to these questions change over the generations and he said that um, that reliably young kids are becoming more socialist and more um, culturally socialist and that's just ramping up and ramping up and ramping up in recent in recent years and he said he doesn't see any way out of this. He doesn't see that these people are going to change their minds because they're very ideologically driven. And see, young people are very ideologically driven, but the, the thing about lefties is that they don't ever grow out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you and I, at some point, were very much more liberal than we are today. And we, we matured and realized where the faults are. But liberal-minded people continue to think, because they're very smart people and they know better than you, they're convinced they're right, and they never, ever question it. So they never mature. You know, and I have family members like this. They do not mature. They never see a sophisticated view of the world because they've been right since they were 17. Mm-hmm. You know, they've known everything since they were 17. Out. And so Gad said that these, 
that these people aren't going to grow out of it. They're going to continue to become more and more of the majority. And then what, what the hope will be is that another generation will come up. Like we have to wait them out. That another generation will come up that starts to think differently. Yeah. So over the next 30 years or more, we're going to be headed in a direction that reasonable people like you and I don't want to go. And we're not going to have a choice because we're not the majority. And that got me thinking about what it would take for the kids that are being born now or 10 years from now or whatever to grow to adulthood and start to think rationally about government and economics and freedom and all the, all the you know, to, to, to be able to take our founding fathers seriously and respect and respect, you know, the borders and what and what our country stands for and uh, you know our great history and all this stuff like what is it going to take for a generation to come up that believes that stuff again limited government individual liberty you know all that stuff what is it going to take hardship that's one that's one idea if if over the next 30 40 50 years these stupid kids continue down this 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 crazy line that we're on where we're going to print money and give it away. We're going to change the demographics of the country. We're going to change the culture to be more compassionate. We're going to make sure that white people, uh, whatever that even means, white people, are a, are a reasonable share of the, of the population. And this, you, the systems are going to change. They're not racist anymore. And, you know, the, what we study and what we focus on and, you know, the Green New Deal and all this shit, we're going to bring this stuff to fruition. And if it fails... In all or in part, and I think it will fail. I'm sure it will fail, given enough time. It's going to get bad. Financially, it's going to get bad. Yep. People's lives are going to be far worse. People, people, people's freedom will be diminished. They'll be living under, you know, an iron fist. And when that, when that shit starts to come back on them, them maybe or their kids or their grandkids are going to be like something. We got to do something different. You know, so maybe it will take terrible, terrible hardship, you know? Yeah. Might not even take that terrible hardship to be, you know, just to be, I guess, maybe a little bit more optimistic. Might not take that hard of hardship, you know? Maybe if things just start to nosedive a little bit, people will be like, this is not working. Yeah, that's optimistic, but I, that'd be great. Yeah. Here's the other thing that, that I think, and this is where I think I have some hope and some optimism. Kids love to be rebellious. Oh, yeah. And if the prevailing culture is this woke nonsense, if it, if it becomes the prevailing culture where, where it's, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's there already, but once it's really ingrained and taken over and all the last bastions of resistance have been, have been snuffed out and the new generation comes up and says, I don't want to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like my mom. I think you're already getting some of that, to be honest with you. That's great news. Yeah. In what way? Where are you seeing it? Um, the like increase in interest in things like Catholicism and Orthodoxy, things like that. Uh, there's a big, you know, like the trad push on um, like things like Twitter and stuff like that. There's people who, you know, are advocating for a more traditional lifestyle, things like that. Um, you know, it's not a huge movement or anything, but I, I think you're already starting to see the beginning of that. So you said trad, and I traditional. I, I, yeah. I know, and I have seen that and pleb, 
Yeah. And I, 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 the thing is, I see all these internet words, and I'm just like, what in the fuck well, does this mean? You know what a pleb is. Plebeian? What does it mean, man? It's like, um, man, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's like a, it's like a, a class. It's like a social class from, um, I, I think it's, maybe it's, maybe it's France. Oh. No, no, it's probably. I think it's Rome. I think that it's the oh, it's the Latin. plebeians are like the the lower the lowest class. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. It's just you know I don't I, the internet lingo goes over my head, and I just wanted to point that out. But that but that's like uh, you know we we would be plebs. The elites are the elites. We're the plebs. Uh, you know. Yeah, totally. So. so it's funny that you bring up this 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 resurgence in religiosity because I, that's the that's literally the first thing on my notes for today this is what I wanted to get to um, I do think that there's something I, what I wrote down was the last time it was like this was the first century AD the last time it was cool or rebellious to be a Christian was 2,000 years ago mm. and it sort of feels like that is beginning to be the case again because atheism, you know, like the like the Richard Dawkins to era type atheists, I feel like those people, maybe not those people, but the people that followed them, their their you know their readers and followers, want, wanted to be atheists to stick it to their parents, stick it to their culture, stick it to their grandparents. They they wanted to be different and uh, rebels, and now it's so thoroughly succeeded. You know, in everywhere you look, in the media, in academia, you know, you, you can't be taken seriously in academia if you have any religious bent whatsoever. It's like they're going to write you off like you believe in aliens and UFOs, mm-hmm. you know, and they put it, it's, it's literally like that. So to say that you are a Christian now is, it makes you it's a rebel. It's punk rock, man. It's punk rock. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that weird, man? It's weird. It's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. But it's kind of, it's kind of hopeful. You know, maybe yeah. maybe the new generation that comes up will be a rebel like that. It's definitely a better. It's a better class of rebel. Yeah, yeah. And I think the classical the classical liberalism has got the potential to be in that vein too. That you're going to see kids coming up that call themselves lefties, but they're like old fashioned English lefties. Yeah. They're, they're like free speech and you know. Uh, individual liberty and um, private property rights, and you know that kind, those kind of liberals, you know. Yeah. And I could just see like a little, like little pockets of those liberals invading the Democrat Party and and getting bigger over the years, and you know. It would be an improvement to what we have now, but I honestly think that like fifty to a hundred years, and we're gonna just gonna be back in the same place, you know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's all cyclical like that. I don't think it has to be. Um, I just think that, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, classical, liberal, libertarian philosophy that I like. Uh, But then there's also, like, you know, if I had my little society that I was the boss of and I could make the rules, there would be a lot of stuff from there, you know. Uh, There would be a lot of principles from libertarianism. Yep. Uh, But it wouldn't be the foundation of it because... You know, like, uh, you go, like, my, what I was into, like, two years ago, my, like, perfect ANCAP society. What do you do if you have a society, you got your little community, and one guy is 
You know, like trafficking children out of his house. He's like raping kids. What do you do? It's his private property. What do you do? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, some of classical liberalism's got to get. It's got to go. It's got to yeah. get the. Uh, it's got to go. Yeah, that's interesting. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that uh, like radical individualism has its limits, mm -hmm. and tribal society, like where most human beings live for most of our evolutionary history creates boundaries for that. It creates intimate social pressure to be a normal fucking person, you know? And then and then today you've got this postmodern idea that to be a normal fucking person is wrong. In fact, it's so wrong that it's oppressive and violent to other people, you know? Mm -hmm. To be a normal person, you know? For you to be a normal person yes. is oppressive against other people. Yes, because it forces your normality, your normality on them. It's uh, it's hostile, you know. It 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 clenches down on your creative freedom, you know. It, it it's stifling, and that's what that's what today's world believes. Yeah. Thank you very much, Derrida. Thank you very much, Foucault. I think that uh, when creativity is like. Uh, moving towards you know trans and kids and stuff like that I think we can we can squash creativity I'm okay with squashing creativity at that point in time I'm glad you brought that up yeah trans and kids because I want to tell you I saw something on the internet that was very disturbing yeah let me set the stage like this I don't know how many other people are going to have the same experience but I'll just tell you what my experience was growing up abortion was sort of a hot Topic and still is, I suppose. Still is. But uh, when I was growing up, it was a unique hot topic because there wasn't trans people, there wasn't any of this going on. So abortion was sort of like that thing that uh, conservatives and Christians were, were up in arms about, and liberals were were their enemies. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, all of those arguments that people would make were convincing to me. It's like, oh, you're going to get rid of this baby when it's just a cluster of cells. You know, that's, le that's less sophisticated than a cockroach. So cl cleaning that out, it, you know, what harm is this? You're going to preserve this person's future. You're going to give them control Which is bullshit. over their future. Right, that, yeah. that, kind of, that kind of stuff. And it was convincing to me. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, abortion's not a good thing. And I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to kill a baby or a child. But if you do it early, it seems like it's probably... In, in many cases, acceptable. We want to we want to draw the line, you know, on that side. And uh, then I saw a video of the process of an abortion, and they walk you through what's done, what the fetus looks like, what the aftermath is, and it puts it in an entirely different perspective. You're like, that is gruesome. That is terrible. That I can't, until I saw it, I didn't understand. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if you had that experience or oh, what yeah. other people have, but it changed my mind about it. Not entirely, but it was like a, it was like a slap in the face. It's like you, you have a lot of certainty that you shouldn't have. Like mm -hmm. this, there's a reality here that you're missing. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this same thing in terms of the gender-affirming care. Sex change operations put it in layman's terms I saw a video it was a computer animated anatomical how to sort of a video of what the the gender affirming care surgery from man to woman looks like 
up until now, Kyle, I've heard about it as a concept, and I've said things like, if you're an adult and you decide you want to do, make this permanent decision and you're uh, of the right mind and, you know, you should have the freedom to do it and all that. But when they started talking about doing it to kids, I had a very big problem with it, like a lot of people. Um, then I saw it. Now, I don't know that my opinions changed. I think if you're an adult and you want to do it, fine. But seeing it was the most gruesome thing. And I would recommend you look this up, audience. Look this up and watch it. This is like a cartoon, basically. So you're not watching like a gory surgery. It's not a gory surgery. No, no. But I can tell you. It's maybe hard to watch. It was hard to watch. I'll tell you. It's like they show you. They show you the penis. They show you the incisions that they make. So around the bottom of the head of the penis, and they pull back the skin, and they tuck it down in. They pull the urethra out through this. You know, it's like they're folding the skin, and they're doing all this stuff and making all these cuts. And then they stitch up these certain areas. And when they start stitching it up, you can see the penis is gone. And now you start to see what looks sort of like a vagina being formed. And I'm like, what's going through my head is the amount of... First of all, it's, it's clearly mutilation. And it's sophisticated mutilation. And it's like somebody had to figure out how to do this. Maybe people, maybe they're, it's done different ways. Maybe it evolved. They had to figure out better and better ways of turning a dick into a vagina, you know? Um, but if you hear people who've had this talk about it, they say things like they're in constant pain. They have to take uh, antibiotics all the time because they're constantly getting infections. They get hair growing inside of their genitals, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there was a picture of somebody's arm, and this was an actual picture of somebody's arm where they take the skin from your arm to form your phallus and just the scarring of the arm and yeah. the disfiguring of the arm. And uh, and I, I just couldn't help but think an artist, mm-hmm. I, I'm like picturing somebody taking like a, like Michelangelo taking a rock, and uh, not not Michelangelo, what's the guy's name? Oh, yeah, Michelangelo, carving David out of the rock. It's like you're taking this thing and you're making it into another shape. And this is what they've done. It's like somebody's taking this ball of Play-Doh and they're they're forming it around and trying to find the best way to make it resemble. And it's like a fake version, a hollow fake version. And it's like that uncanny valley with AI and robotics it's like it looks like a vagina, but it's not a vagina, and you can't quite tell, but it's eerie. It's like it's off-putting, you know? And and you're leaving somebody with this, and you're calling it gender-affirming care, and you're leaving somebody mangled with this, with this eerie, false vagina, man. Like, I don't... I, 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 like this eerie false vagina. Seeing it like that was so difficult, man. And if you're a and if you're a parent who's considering doing that to your to your child, watch this fucking video and tell me you you still think it's a good idea. Yeah. Like I just don't. I mean, it was gruesome, and there was no blood, dude. It was a computer animated video, and it was gruesome. Good news about that is a lot of people don't do the bottom surgery, you know? A lot of people skip that. Mm. Um, I, I, that makes me question their 
commitment to the whole trans thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, if you were really, if you were really serious about this, you'd go all the way. But, you know, I tend to, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I, I should say on YouTube. I don't know how much, you know, if I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't, I don't believe in trans people. You know, I think that it's, uh, it's all mental illness and like desperate people, desperate for attention and things like that. And, so that's why I think a lot of them don't get the bottom surgeries. Mm. They're men, even if they pretend, even if they're pretending that they're women, tend to be partial to their penises. They yeah. like their penises, you know. Uh, and also, if you cut it off, you can't, you you know, you can't be one of those trans chicks who has an OnlyFans and like wax off. You know, no, no. that that seriously limits your income potential. Which I honestly think that a lot of that's what a lot of it is. What happens, These people who do this. What happens to your dong if you're taking, if you're a trans woman? You would think woman, it like shrinks up. Yeah, if you're taking the estrogen and the testosterone blockers, what happens to your dong? Does it still work? Um, I think so. Because I know that there are trans people who do porn. Yeah. So, I mean, there's got to be something going on there. So, so I think that what you say about mental illness, I think there's a lot more truth to that than people are are willing to to admit to. I also think that there is a social contagion and a, a social pressure. Mm. Like people are always trying, especially when they're of age, of the age where they're trying to um, peacock, when they're trying, when they're trying to get a get a mate. Um, they're always trying to stand out. They're always trying to be different from other people. And some people do that by becoming captain of the football team. But you know what? There's only one captain of the football team, and so. People break out into different hierarchies, and then they want to try to ra raise to the top of a hierarchy and and try to get clout and try to get you know what you know try to get a mate that way, and it's perfectly natural. It's human nature, but this is a new this trans thing is a new hierarchy, and the people that gravitate towards it, like the ones that I know that are older, like the early adopters, you sh you might say, they're D and D nerds. They're people with no friends. They're the bottom of the rung. Uh, social class people that didn't have a hierarchy of any kind that they could climb in. So they made this up and not, they didn't invent it, right? It's been around. There's been a very, very small minority of people that are, that we, you know, used to call transsexuals or whatever that, that, uh, that, you know, this idea, you know, came from basically, but that this has been a social thing that people of low status have gravitated towards and it's gotten completely out of hand and nobody's talking about that it's disrespectful and transphobic to even to even suggest that might be the case and i wonder if you weren't permitted to get gender affirming care until you were 28 how many of the of these people who when they're 16 14 18 would consider it how many of those kids would still at 28? Probably not. Not as many, I would assume. I'm willing to bet very, very few of them. Yeah. Um, 28, it's a better age than we're doing it now. But, you know, like you said earlier that you you still think that people should be able to do it, you know, if they're an adult. I don't. I don't. I don't think if you are a man and you want to go have your generals mutilated how is that any different from me going to the hospital and be like this is not my arm this is this arm belongs to someone else should that should the doctor cut that guy's fucking arm off so that's a good point so i think i would say that that person should be allowed to want it 
but should but should a doctor be allowed to do it? Yeah, you can want case, your sex change all you want, but you're not going to get it. You can like again in Kyle's little community. Maybe you do the thing where people fly to Brazil to get like some crazy breast implants. Maybe yeah. that's how you're getting yeah. your sex change. You're not fucking doing it in my. Yeah. And if a doctor does it, that doctor's going to prison. So let's let's dig into this because I think that the do no harm thing is a problem. I think if you're a doctor and someone says chop off my arm, it's not it doesn't belong to me. You're clearly doing harm to that person. If someone says chop off my genitals, you're clearly doing harm to that person. It's hard for me philosophically to get around that. If you're a doctor and you're not you're supposed to do no harm, those these things should be off the table. I, I'm agreeing with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think about people like like these like the early transhumanist type people that uh, you saw you've seen the guy that like um he had his whole face tattooed green to look like a lizard and he had little he had little things subdermal thing implants put under his head to give him bumps mm-hmm. and he had his tongue split so he had like a serpentine tongue and he was like a that this was his thing it was i don't know what it was if it was a fetish if it was a fantasy but he like totally changed his body um you know he looked like a lizard man and if you if you ask me do I think somebody should be allowed to transform themselves into a lizard man? I'm like, hey man, if they're an adult and they want to do, they want to be a lizard, they could be a lizard. Fine, it's up to. But a doctor's got to do that. And well, are they? A, a doctor has to. You know, he's got. He's like one of those dudes. He's got like some subdermal like horn things. Yeah. And, and the the splitting of the tongue, that kind of stuff, a doctor's going to have to do. And yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I think a doctor should be able to do that. I think that that violates that Hippocratic oath. What about this? Um, some of those early transhumanists um, were putting like magnets uh, in their fingers, little small magnets in their fingers. I don't know if they were magnets, what they were, but what they would let them do is sense um, like magnetic fields. So they could they had the actual like vibratory sensations when they got around electronics or things that you and I couldn't feel, but they could feel. And for them, they, they, they thought they were on the cutting edge of getting like a new sense of like merging with technology and being able to sense things, superhuman things. People are retarded. <laughs> do, you think we sh- do you think that we have any, as a society, we have any interest in stopping people from experimenting in the next wave of, you know, merging of technology and, and biology? Um, I think that... There's a line in there somewhere. I don't know where it is. Uh, you know, that's something that we would have to think about. Um, but I do think that there is a line somewhere, yeah. I think that at, to, at a certain point, you're, like, messing with things that you shouldn't be messing with. So bionic limbs, okay or not okay? Um, I lean towards okay. I mean, that's not hurting someone, you know? That's, what if they have regular healthy limbs and they say, I want bionic limbs? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think no? that's okay. <laughs> um, what about some kind of genetic, uh, like CRISPR engineering that would allow somebody to live longer? I'm not for it. No, I don't. I don't think that's good. Because you could argue that you're not doing harm exactly. Yeah. I mean, you may not know what the consequences are. You, you might be riddled with cancer and not be able to die. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would suck. Oh dude. my god, that would suck. But that's the kind of experimentation that's going to happen. I think. I don't know what form it's going to take. But they're going to have to test this stuff, and we're already messing with it, you know? Yep. I don't think we should. I think we should just leave it alone, to be honest with you. Yeah. People don't like to, to die. They don't, they, don't like to, they don't like to think about it. Yeah. You know? 
You mean, like, that's why we are messing with it? I think that's a, a big, like, branch of it. Like, I don't, do you know that super rich dude? He, he spends, like, like, an astronomical amount of money. Uh, he's, like, you know, always exercising and taking supplements, but he does things like... Uh, he does things like uh, getting young people's blood transfused into okay. him, and like I don't know who you're talking about, but some eccentric billionaire, and he's like, um, I, he's older, but he looks good. He looks younger, but I wouldn't say good. He looks younger, but he looks like it's kind of like the Uncanny Valley thing. He looks younger, but there's certain ways, there's certain features of him that you're like. He's you got an old man, you got an old man's eyes, you know, you got an old man's eyes, but you know, you look like a young man. Kind of thing. Yeah. It's going to be weird. It makes me think of um, Big Daddy who's like old balls. <laughs> uh, yes. It also makes me think of Bill Burr when he's talking about how his dick looks brand new, but the rest of him looks like an aged fire. He's like, you got to increase the circumference of the lotion distribution. <laughs> Fucking love Bill Burr. Well, yeah. Bilber used to be good. He's kind of a pussy now, but really, oh, dude, it's sad. It's he's, sad. He's getting super liberal, or what? Yeah, he just like Bilber used to say things that were like edgy, and you know, like were actually like relevant. Now he's just it's it's bad. I wonder what happened. Um, I've got my theories, but they might get us kicked off uh, YouTube. All right. Uh, but what about DeSantis? <clears throat> Ron DeSantis. Oh, Ronnie D. Ron, uh, Ron DeSanctimonious. Ron DeSanctimonious. He's now um, told the public universities in Florida that they will no longer get state funding if they have staff for DEI. I don't know what DEI is. Diversity, equity, oh, inclusion. Okay, nice. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna Fairy lose. Based. Yeah. I think I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And a lot of people will disagree with me. Uh, but what I want to ask you about is the top-down approach. So you got somebody like DeSantis saying, I'm seeing this contagion creeping in. I see the dangers it poses. I'm going to, from the top-down, say, illegal, illegal, you know? Uh, rather than it being a, a grassroots thing, it's a top-down thing. How do you feel about that? I like it. <laughs> because if, it's, if we don't do that, it's never going to change. That is 100% the truth. And if you don't realize that at this point... You're not paying attention because we can leave, we can keep doing it the way that we've tried to be been doing it, but it, we're losing and we've been losing forever. Yeah, and it's never going to happen unless we do it from the top down. Yeah, that's why I support it at this. See, point. that's one of the things Gad Sad was saying when he was talking about um, the younger demographics being socialist. He was talking about how many professors in any given school, like in psychology and math and whatever. Um, what the ratio is of conservative to liberal. And it's like, in some in some cases, it's one to over 200. Yeah, I bet. But in every case, it's like five to one, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. It's so not good. You go to college, you're being taught by progressive liberal people. Yeah, so how do we win? It's a great question. You don't. You lose forever. Unless you start behaving the way that your enemy is behaving. And I fully support that at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think that, like, one of the things that comes to my mind is that I, personally, like, I, I, sometimes I'm tempted to say it's common or people, but what I mean is me. 
right, with me, I am afraid to say certain things. I'm afraid to share certain opinions. You know, in a professional setting, even if it's, um, even you know, even if it's with like friendly colleagues, yeah. there are some things that you that you would that I am afraid to say, and and what that means is beyond like I'm not talking about crude jokes. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about just you know, just honest opinions about sure. about relevant things that I I am afraid to speak about. Yeah. And I've found in many cases that other people feel similarly, and they're also afraid to say it. And that's why nobody ever knows what anybody thinks, because we're all tiptoeing around this and afraid to hurt somebody's feelings or afraid to be, you know, considered an asshole or racist that's how I or feel whatever. For sure, I don't talk about the things that I think or believe at work. Um, in my entire working career, I can only think of, I can only think of one person that I've had like philosophical political conversations with at work it's that dude joe yeah um no maybe a couple more but not very in-depth um you know so i definitely know what you mean the other day i can't can't remember if it was friday or thursday uh but i was in one of the supervisor's offices just like hanging out and uh there was one of the other people that i work with in there and they were doing like the one guy who was not a supervisor was in there, and I guess he turned in some kind of paperwork, and there was a misspelled word, so the supervisor was, like, busting his balls about it. Yeah. So they were doing this, like, spelling bee thing. The supervisor was, like, online looking for tricky words to spell, and then the guy that I work with who's not a supervisor was spelling it on the whiteboard, and uh, one of the words was liaison, and <laughs> yeah. I said, uh, he spelled liaison, he got it right. I was like... Uh, I went to high school with a black dude named Liaison. And the guy was like, man, that's awesome. And I was like, I'm just joking, dude. And he was like, Jesus Christ. Like, he, yeah. like you know, like it was a bad joke or yeah. something. Yeah. That was like the most racial joke I've ever made at work. Yeah, I get you. It's a fucking funny one. I went to high school with a black dude named Liaison. Yeah. The next word was scoliosis. And I said, yeah. I went to high school with a black dude named scoliosis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't make... Hold on, hold on wait, wait, let me get the sound effects. You can't make jokes. You got to give me a little bit of a... a little bit of a. I went to high school with a black guy named Liaison. All right. There we go. Uh, YouTube can't hear it, but all right. Um, <laughs> so, um, so it says something about freedom of speech being diminished. I mean, like, I understand that there's some things at work you're not going to say. When people who don't know you really know you and you don't know them, that you're not going to say... Um, it, just to be professional, to be courteous, to go along, to get along. But there's a lot more today that you're going to walk on eggshells about, uh, especially when it comes to the trans thing, even pronouns. Can, can you imagine walking on eggshells trying to figure out how to address somebody? Like, it's complete nonsense, but we're doing that. So it says something about freedom of speech being diminished. Yeah. Um, and there's more to that. What was I going to say? Um, it's... it. It separates people, you know? It keeps people from knowing each other. It keeps people from being able to communicate with each other. It's got lots of lots of nefarious sort of side effects. And, and I wonder if this top-down approach, like what we're seeing in Florida, is necessary for people to feel brave enough to get back to normal in a manner of speaking, to, yeah. to stop being afraid. I'll to, tell you what. As far as the effectiveness of the top-down goes... I can tell you that there is not really a state in the country that I would have wanted to live in more than Florida mm. over the last 
three, four years. Correct, yeah. So I think as far as the effectiveness of it goes, I think that Ron DeSanctimonious is doing something right. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's another thing that occurs to me is that I, I grew up in a mostly white suburbs for, for most of my life. I would say mostly white. It was probably like twenty percent black, and there was just a couple of like it was a couple of Hindu kids and a, like a one one dude from Puerto Rico. It was a couple sprinkled in there, like a little bit of some diversity, but it was largely white. That we're talking about the neighborhood where you lived close to Eddie. Yes, and, yeah, yeah okay. yes. And when I met somebody that was not from America, not from the United States, or that had some other background, like. Um, like the Hadars, that had the one Muslim family we had at school, that uh, they were American. And the kids that were just as American as me, but their parents weren't. Their parents were from you know from wherever. And uh, I remember like asking them questions, being curious. We had a student named Aruna. Aruna. Aruna, who came from Africa. He was super tall. He he was he played. He came to play basketball. Was he Masai. Uh, I don't know where he was from. Uh, he told me, but it's been such a long time. I don't remember. Uh, he was a nice dude, but um, I was so curious to talk to those people. Because I, it was interesting to me. It's like, you're from where? Your, your family does what? You eat what? Yeah. You know? And I remember, I'll tell you, I may have told you this before, but I, I talked to Aruna one time, and I, he, I knew he was from Africa. And Africa's a big place. But when you're 14 years old, you don't know shit about Africa other than the Lion King. I was like, dude, were there monkeys? Were there, were there lions? What was that like? And he thought I was making fun of him. And I remember he said, I'll make your nose drip. That's what he told me. Like a th- He was threatening me. And that, that meant he was going to bloody my nose. But even him saying it like that was interesting to me. I'm like, you're going to make my nose drip? What does that mean? You know, I just wanted to, I wanted to know. And I can't ask those questions. I couldn't ask those questions today without being racist. Yeah. You know? This one time, maybe a few weeks ago, I work with a bunch of Puerto Rican dudes. Tons of fucking Puerto Rican dudes. And... um there's this one guy. I, I like him a lot. Uh, he's one of the fabricators, and we were just like kind of bullshitting towards the end of the day. And I was like, "Hey, man, where are you from?" He was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> it's like, I meant like, where do you live in this fucking area? Like, what neighborhood are you oh. from? You know, I think he met. He's like, "Are you like, you know, are you from Puerto Rico? Are you from Mexico?" It's yeah. like, even even if I did, like, who fucking cares, dude? Right? Why? Like, what is that? Why is that a problem? Why is it a problem? It's yeah. a great question. Why is it a problem? Who knows? I mean, he's a nice guy. I don't have anything against that guy. But I just think that, like, people get so sensitive about that shit. They you do. Know? And it's like, what? Why is it? Why is it mean or racist of me to be curious about you? It's a great. It's a great question. And is what, it, isn't that like a loving thing to do to like sure. want to know you? Same thing with cultural appropriation. Yeah. What, I mean, that's what they say. It's well, like you know what? I had a thought about cultural yeah, appropriation. I was sitting someplace and they were playing a country music song and it had a distinctly like R&B vibe to Mm -hmm. it. And in my head, I'm just like, can we not have anything? Can we have nothing that has to have the the fingerprints of black culture all over it? It's like white people, we can't do anything anymore. White people, like white kids don't listen to rock music. They all listen to fucking rap now. And even country music is like becoming R&B. It's fucking annoying, man. It goes back to what I said about math. Yeah, music is a multicultural, multi generational thing. It's like black people would be the first to tell you rock and roll started with black people. They'd be the first to tell you that. White people stole it like they stole everything. Maybe we do own reparations, man. Maybe they're not getting any from me. (laughs) Um, I remember hearing somebody say it was one of those like 
DEI, uh, like, or no, it wasn't DEI. It was one of those um, uh, anti-racism bias, unconscious bias training people. And they were saying that if you, if you are introduced to somebody and you ask them, um, like they have a, they have a foreign sounding name yeah. and you ask them, like, where are you from? Where does that come from? That you're being racist. You know? Yeah. You're just supposed to assume that they're from here. Aruna was not from here, man. Yeah. He'll make your nose drip. He will. That dude was so tall, man. They they used to be this uh divider that separated the lunch line. There was there was like a lunch line where you could go and get wraps, which were dope. The wraps at my high school, I would go to lunch there right now and get wraps if I could. They were so good. Uh and then the, the other one was like the hot food. And I remember one day I was it was uh, tall enough that most people you couldn't see over it. Aruna's like Bleeding over it, like, talking to me, man. That dude was tall. Yeah, he was easily like seven foot six. Damn, it's a big, big, big dude. It's crazy. And no monkeys and lions where he was from. No monkeys, anyway. If you, in case you were wondering, I'm skeptical of that. There might have been some monkeys. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm scared. There's monkeys everywhere over there, dude. Well, we was talking about Gad said earlier. He he makes this joke about uh being a honey badger. Mm-hmm. So if you know anything about badgers, apparently very aggressive, very aggressive, right? So you got to be a honey badger, and I, and I've heard that they're aggressive, but I saw a video of a honey badger in Africa fighting with three. I don't know if they were tigers or leopards or they were big cats, dude. And the badger was like the size of a small dog. Yeah. And it was getting fucked up by these lions. But it and was it just kept, it. it just kept going after them until the lions were just like, fuck this, man. Yeah. It was gnarly. Yeah. So if you have a minute, guys, look up honey badgers. That's like... It's like one of those animals that you like really don't want to come across in the wild, you know? And doesn't if you just saw one from a distance, you wouldn't think. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, You'd be like oh, it's a it's a fucking it's a big ass gerbil or something. You <laughs> yeah, know? it's not yeah. it's not harmful. It's not gonna hurt me, and then it fucking kills you. Yeah, man. It's a scary, scary little beast. Scary, scary little beast. Um, what were we talking about before the honey badger came up? Mm-hmm. I was talking about Gad said. Yeah. Another thing Gad said said. Said. He says a lot. He, he says some funny shit. Yeah. He says that people, he's mainly talking about people in academia, but he calls them, uh, what does he call them? He calls them um, castrati, but he calls them something something else. Uh, uh, castratos have no balls. What's the other one? Oh, invertebrate castratis. That's what he calls them. Because these, people, these people have no spines and no, no spine balls. No and no balls. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he said if you see him... He walks around like he's seven feet tall, and uh, he has this way about him. He says because you have to, because you have to, you know, present yourself as uh, you know, powerful and strong and mm-hmm. confident, and that and that we need more of that in the world. That if you have beliefs, that you need to wear them openly, and you need to uh, represent them and be confident about them. And he said, the world is full of pussies. He didn't say this, but basically the world is full of pussies. And nobody is, you know, everybody's wanting to go along to get along. And he's like, we're social creatures. So it makes sense that we want to be that way. But we need more people that that are not invertebrate castrates. And I think that's very true, man. It's kind of inspiring. It makes me want to not be not invertebrate castrati. Not be an invertebrate castrati, yeah. Yeah. You going to start using that one? No. No, it's too much. 
invertebrate castrati. Yeah. It's too much. Uh, I, I prefer spineless, sackless motherfucker, mm. you know? It doesn't quite have the same ring, but yeah. <laughs> yep. I think it's got a better ring. It's like more aggressive, mm. you know? Like a honey badger. Exactly. We're going to call this episode the honey badger? Sure. We're, okay, all right. It's fine with me. Uh, we're about at two hours. You got anything else? No, wait, we're at an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Oh, shit. It's a short one this yeah. week. Well, I'm, I'm running out of things. Let me see if I have anything else. Um, um, do I oh, have... I do have one more. Go ahead. No, I was, no you go ahead. I saw an article. I, I, sometimes I look at these articles because I like to see the um, racism and sexism that that comes out in the news as if it's not racist and sexist. So, like, for instance, if you're saying something nasty about white people, it just it, it's presented as heroic. If you, if you say something, um, you know, about, uh, you know, something with, femi- with a feminist sort of bent to it, it can be as anti-man as you want, and it's like you know the 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 headline the the story reads like like you should you know agree with them, where it's very hypocritical. If it was the other way around, you would never be able to do this. But I saw one of these articles, and it said that the first manned mission to Mars, they're going to be an all-woman crew. <laughs> so. They're, they're not gonna make it. <laughs> they're not making it. <laughs> I, yeah, I wanted to hear how you would respond, but they they give reasons for this. Yeah, and I think I wonder this shuttle is powered by period blood. <laughs> is that one of the reasons they're gonna attract space bears that way? <laughs> they can smell the menstruation. So they said they said the reason that they suggested an all woman manned moon mission, flight Mars mission. I think that's probably. Uh, a feminist move but they're saying it's because women's bodies strain the ship's resources less that they they would save they would save 158 million dollars on food storage oxygen and water simply by not having any men on the ship so that's how they justified it yeah what if something needs fixing though It's a good question. It's a really good question. What if something needs fixing, I wonder? Yeah. I saw some article I retweeted. Something about, I think it was Korea, that women are like, um, you know, there's this thing in America called MGTOW, men going their own way, Hmm. where men basically just like stop being interested in women Mm. and just like concentrate on themselves, which I think there's some good in that, you know, but up to a certain point, once you make yourself a good like mate, then it's time to like get in there. Correct. Correct. Um, But in Korea, South Korea, they're having some kind of like the, like women going their own way. They're like not doing, and it's like, yeah, they're going their own way. And this is what I said, unless they need a pickle jar opened or something. And then, you know, then give me that good old fashioned patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking so stupid. And that's 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 definitely what it is. It's not about the 100 150 million or whatever. It's about sending a team of women to Mars. Exactly. That's what exactly. it's about. They want they want that story in the history books. Yeah. It's not about saving $158 million. Yeah. 100% I agree with you. I am all for sending a ship of women to Mars. I'm all <laughs> for that, dude. Blast those bitches off and they ain't never coming back. It's fine with me. See, this is another example of that, like, 
uh, rabid individualism. Um, if you take it to its, if you take that that libertarian approach to its uh, maximum, then you get that MGTOW stuff that you were just talking about, where it's like, I don't need a family, I don't need a community. I'm just going to be man versus wild, like our, I'm going to be woman versus wild or whatever. And the truth is, like Gad said, we're social creatures. We need each other. You know, and our differences, our differences are in some in some ways to be celebrated because it because it gives us something we don't have, you know? And it's a double-edged sword because I think that is true with culture too. I think there are things from other cultures that are giving us something we don't have. Um, but I think it's a mistake to trade one for for another, or to buy one wholesale and think you can incorporate it, you know, incorporate it into uh, to an existing system, uh, and without any problems, you know. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you how do you benefit from the differences of others? You know, that's what that's what being social creatures is all about. Teamwork. Hashtag teamwork. That's a nice hashtag. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what to say about that. Um, I am firmly on the side of sending blasting women off to Mars, though. I think that's a great idea. Round up all the most annoying women on Earth and blast them off to Mars. All the, like, short haircuts, purple hair, lots of piercings. There you go. Straight to fucking Mars, dude. That's a great idea. (laughs) Just a group of South Korean... They can can find a way to reproduce... Up there by themselves, hopefully. Asexually, yeah. Just send up a bunch of art, like pre-loosened pickle jars with them so that they can eat. It's <laughs> <laughs> just going to be mayonnaise all over the inside of the uh, the ship. Yep. From your half-open. The period blood-powered ship. Yep, yep. Yep. So I saw this video online that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, this guy, I forget his name, but he used to be the president of the APA, the American Psychiatric Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was talking about how, when he was the president, he made, you know, he like started a motion or whatever the fuck uh, to have homosexuality taken off of like a list of mental conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that everyone on the board agreed to do that, agreed to start that process. But then. Um, a group of feminist and homosexual uh, homosexual uh, advocates, or whatever you would want to say, um, basically prevented any kind of unbiased research into homosexuality and prevented that from happening. Really? Yeah. It's not listed as a mental disorder now. I think it's on. I think it's on the DSM five still. Yeah. Really. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Yeah. They- what what was the rationale? Did, did they suggest why they would want to prevent it? Um, I think that it has to do with um, if you understand the true nature of it, then the narrative falls apart. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, they need you to believe that you're born that way. And if something comes out contrary to that, then the whole narrative falls apart. And not only the homosexuality narrative, the trans narrative... Mm-hmm. People are trying to make that argument for pedophiles at I've, this point. I've seen that. So, so and that, like, I'm ne- it never ceases to amaze me what we take seriously. It's like, I never thought this trans thing would ever become a national 
conversation. I never thought it would be taken seriously. It seems retarded. I didn't say it. <laughs> um, but this whole pedophilia thing, like, I wonder, because it's like you're seeing these common liberal tactics, like softening the language mm-hmm. and coming up with coming up with their own the, minor attracted people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that's exactly what liberals do. They they you know they they soften the language. They try to they try to soften. They create this narrative. Uh, they make they make them out to be like sympathetic. They try to make them out to be sympathetic, and that you're starting to see that. And I wonder, like, I is it is that just part of the culture war? It's like it's like a story that that gets planted and gets prog- you know uh, pushed through so that we argue with each other about it. Is it just one of those things? It's not it's not real. It's just being done for the sake of argument, or is it honestly like four D chess? Is it honestly something that they want? That the left wants to normalize. I think it's something that they want to normalize, yeah. I think that the reasons for why they want to normalize it, there are some people who are playing 40 chess who are like, we need to break down these barriers so that we can do the societal things that we want to do. We can't have these barriers. Um, these natural barriers. We need to erase all of those to be able to do what we want. Those are the people playing 40 chess. Uh, Now, the other people, I think they still want to normalize that stuff, but they want to do it because they think that it's, like, nice. You know, they think that it's, like, uh, you know, it's more humane. It's more, like, by being accepting to the pedophiles, we make it more likely that they're going to get help and shit like that. Mm. Um Mm. And I think that some of them think that, but I honestly think that there are, I really do think that there are some liberal people. Okay, so I think that there are probably some conservative people, I might be one of them, who have opinions that would like blow your fucking hair back if we were like perfectly honest with you. And I think that there are liberal people like that too who think that, that adults should be able to fuck kids. I, I really think that. I think that that's one of those liberal positions that would blow your fucking hair back if they were perfectly honest with you. They think that children have the ability to consent and that if a child can consent, there's no problem with an adult having sex with a child. Yeah, I think that there is some evidence for that in the postmodern readings that I did, whatever it was, like in season one when we we were talking about that. I think there's some evidence for that in in these postmodernists like Foucault and Derrida. Mm-hmm. Creepy. It is creepy. Creepy fucks. So my my best hope here is that, like the trans uh, conversation, when it start when it starts encroaching on children, enough people will push back. That oh uh, yeah, I mean that that's my uh, well, I'm gonna try to remain optimistic about that because I have to. Yep. And I'm depressed, Kyle. Yeah, don't be depressed. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's fucked up. Fucked up. I got nothing, man. I, I do think. I'll tell you. I don't know how controversial this would be, but I was gonna say this is one of my positions that might like blow someone's hair back. Yeah. I think that if you get caught doing anything with kids, I'm like kind of anti death penalty at this point, but I'm not opposed to like really brutal punishments. Mm. 
So I'm talking, I mean, like castration, you know, uh, I'm fine with that kind of stuff. I think that if you get caught molesting a kid, we castrate you. Yeah. Um, And castrate you in a way that like ruins you, you know, like ruins your hormones, ruin, you know, like, because you don't have to have a dick to molest someone, you know? So I'm saying we like ruin Mm -hmm. your hormone situation to where you can't even feel aroused anymore. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But I'm sure that somebody does. And I say that's what we do to those people. Yeah. You're fucked. Yeah, I, I think that th- I can't think of a worse crime. I can't think of a worse sin. Mm-hmm. So I can't think of something worthy of worse punishment. Even murder doesn't seem as bad as pe- as pedophilia. Yeah. Honestly. You're, I'm with you're, you on you're that. Ruin- you're ruining somebody's life. Like, you, you're defiling the picture of innocence, too. You know, you have this... This human being who is like pure innocence and potential, and you're just like stomping on that, you know, for 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 entirely selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. The grossest, most base sexual, you know, personal reasons you're doing that. I think that that what I just hit on there, the selfishness. I think that is at the root of all of our cultural problems. It's at the root of every crime and every sin. People who are incapable of thinking about themselves or even get caught up in a moment where they're swept, swept away in their own shit so deeply that they cannot consider others, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Every time you somebody steals, rapes, you know, is violent, is violent towards somebody else, you're, you're doing it for your own selfish reasons, you know? And people who don't have children... Have a, have sometimes have a have a harder time coming outside of themselves to that level. Mm-hmm. Some people who do have children still can't, which is strange. which is strange. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I think um, I think these. Oh man, I just feel like a curmudgeon because I want to like rant about like uh, like this this dude down the street. Uh, he, he's a nice dude. I, I like him a lot, and uh, he has a son who's like ten years younger than me. So he's a grown man, but he's still a young man. Yeah. And he uh, just does nothing but play video games. He doesn't work. You know, he he doesn't help out. He just he's just concerned about doing the things he likes. And we have a we have an enormous chunk of people greater every year that are like that. Yep. And it's it's not it's not it doesn't reflect well on the future, man. Nope. And it has to do with selfishness. And I don't know it, has it always been that way? Or is this a cultural trend? Does it have to do with parenting? You know, I don't know, man. I don't one, know. One thing that I like that a lot of people in, you know, the orthodox sphere that I've, you know, kind of been in over the last few months, one way they talk about that is that it's like the worship of self. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, and it, it really, you know, you have... The Anton LaVey version of Satanism that's do what thou wilt. It's all about, it's all about like, it's it's libertarianism basically, you know? Um, that's funny. It, it's like, it's like extreme libertarianism. Religious, um, religious libertarianism. Yeah. Um, but there's this like, there are a lot of people who, I, I would say there are like political libertarians who are basically LaVey and Satanists who like, 
you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in Satan. I just believe in worshiping myself. It's like, that's the same fucking thing, dude. Like, it's the, uh, whether you believe that you're worshiping Satan or not, you're behaving as somebody who believes and worships Satan. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, we gotta get, we gotta get rid of that too. So, so this is sort of related. Um, it might not be clear when I tell you, but it's related. So, I've been reading this book, Beyond Theology, this Alan Watts book. I'm going to be doing. We talked about it last time. I'm going to be doing a, an episode that's based on this, but it's not like a normal episode. It's not like uh, I, I here's something really cool. He said, "Here's what I think about it." He said something in this book about um, thinking about what he said that you that you can learn a tremendous amount by thinking about what you desire. Mm. And then asking yourself if that's what you really desire. So first, ask yourself what you want. And once you, once you figure it out, then ask yourself, is that what you really want? So I started this exercise. And it's kind of like, it's related to some of the Jordan Peterson stuff where he's, you know, he's, he, he has those writing programs, uh, future authoring and stuff where you sit down and you actually think about things and ask yourself questions and think it through and write it down. And, and you re- it really makes you think it through about shit that you normally just, uh, you just think you know, but you have never really even tried to, you know, understand really. You think you know, but you, you have, have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> so it's true life. So I started doing that. The story of... What are we talking about? Desire. Oh, desire. There we go. So I started doing that. I wrote down basically three things. It's like, what do I most desire? So I wrote down, I got finally got down three things. Sex. <laughs> Sex. Yeah, well. <laughs> then I started, I wrote down the thing, and then I just said, why? And I wrote down some more, and I said, why? I wrote down some more. And next thing I know, I have pages and pages. And when I get to the end of it, what I started with, this is what I desire. And what I ended with could not have been more different. And it had a lot to do with selfishness and the and the importance of other people and stuff like that. So I'm going to do an episode on it and just kind of read through that and talk about it. And, you know, I'm being a little bit vulnerable because it's like super personal. But I'll be curious to see if you listen to it, what you think. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if you did that exercise, what you would what you come up with. Um but it's interesting, man. So I would suggest anybody listening to give that a shot. So what what I what I first said, and I'll just give you a little hint here. What I first said about what I desire was that I want to I want to take care of my responsibilities. You know, and that's first of all, it's a very conservative desire to have. It's like liberal people, that's not going to be high up on the list of desires to take care of your responsibilities. But I have kids, and I have a wife, and so. It's important to me that I take care of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so I started with that. And then two and a half pages later, I, it's like deeply philosophical and completely off the mark. So anyway, uh, that's coming. That, that'll be in a future episode. Maybe I missed last week's Wednesday episode, and I haven't missed a Wednesday episode in a very long time. So hopefully this one will be out. Getting busy? Yeah, getting busy. In fact, this Wednesday I'm I'm gonna be on the road for eight hours, so I may not be able to record it on Wednesday. So it might be late, but it's coming, you guys. Don't worry, just, it's coming. Just cool your jets. It's coming. Um, we're almost running out of time. All right. Well, you got anything else? Um, I know tomorrow I'm supposed to go into work tomorrow with a list of my ten top favorite movies. Oh, I haven't done that. Well, t- I mean, ten is a reasonable number. Ten is a reasonable number, but like, I, I don't know 
if the movies that I would I, probably we would share a couple of in our top yeah, ten, sure. but I bet you it would be very different. Yeah, you and yeah. I. Um, um, for me, a movie that I know you like, I don't know if it'd be on your top ten, but I know you like it. Um, drawing a blank on the name of it. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, that would be on there for me. For I think sure. if, if I had ten, it probably would be on the list. Oh, brother, where art thou? See, if I only had three, mm-hmm. it would probably still be on the yeah. list. Uh, the Prestige I really liked. Ooh, The Prestige was really good. It's another Nolan movie. I was probably going to put Memento on there. Yeah. Um, if I had to put one Christopher Nolan movie on there, it would be it would be The Prestige. The Prestige is really good. Some people really like that. Uh, I want that later one that he did with um, McConaughey in space. Interstellar. Interstellar. I only saw it in theaters, so I and don't really. Inception too. Is that Nolan? Yeah. Yeah. Inception was great. Inception was great. Yeah. It might be in my top ten. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, um, you know, a movie I also really liked was Stranger Than Fiction. Ooh, Stranger Than Fiction was really good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That might be on there. Fucking good, it's fucking good, you guys. If you haven't seen Stranger Than Fiction, it's Will Ferrell, but it's not a tr- typical Will Ferrell movie. Lebowski would be on there for me too. I think there might be three Coen Brothers movies mm-hmm. in my top ten. Burn After Reading. Um, the Big Lebowski and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Yeah, boy. All right, that, that's good. That, that that gets me a start. And gets you, you gave going. me some other ones that I might consider putting in good. there, too. So Good. I'm trying yeah. to think of any that stand out before we wrap this bitch up. Um, I can tell you what, there probably will not be a single Marvel movie in there. My favorite Marvel movie was... Uh, was, it, was it called X-Men First Class? Yeah. With uh, Kevin Bacon and, and McAvoy, that shit was good, man. Yeah, it was pretty good. I yeah, but I yeah, that would be it probably the one that I, I, I'm not sure I'd put that on on the top. It 10. wouldn't be in my top ten, but it's as far as it was a pretty good one. Yeah, there's some. I, it's not. I'm not like one of those people who's like, if you watch Marvel movies, you're retarded. Yep. But I just don't really like them that much. Um, it's hard for me to put these on a top ten list, but I have to say. That Sherlock Holmes movie with uh, Downey. Robert Downey Jr. I really, really, really enjoyed it, man. It was a yeah, fun was pretty movie, good. and the way it was shot, the camera, it was like so dark, and like yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty good. And Harry Potter, but there's fucking eight of those movies. The movies weren't that good. Dude. Yeah, you're right. The movies fucking suck. You're right. You're you're like transposing your love for the books onto the movies. Yeah, it might be, it might be. Um, to that end. Interview the Vampire. I know it's an older one, but that's a fucking hell of a movie. It is a good movie. All right. All right. And that's going to have to be enough. Peace Uh, out, fuckers. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. Stop recording. I know, I know. It's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode